Welcome ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday night, we are live on YouTube and Twitch as we do every week, if you're listening on any other day of the week in podcast format, next week come join the party, everybody's invited, even kids and even women, Rory uh, asked me to underline this thing. I'm joking, of course. My Which one? Even even one of them sounds a bit weird. Exactly. I leave it. I leave it up to the <laughs> listener to understand how bad of a person uh, you are. We are live. As I said, this is the Anglo Italian Pod. I'm Tommaso Damian, and joined by my friend Rory. How are you doing today, mate? Um, I am not bad. Not bad at all. Thanks. Um, I'm. Well, I think I might be the only person in Italy that had to work today, so I'm a little bit bitter. But I'm finished now. I've got Tuesday and Wednesday off. Time for another cheeky little weekend. Nice. I, I was one of the lucky teachers who had also the Monday off. Let's explain why. Tomorrow is the saint patron of the city of Milan, Sant'Ambrogio. And on the 8th, I never really quite understood what we celebrate on the 8th. Like, according to the Catholic religion. Is it All Saints Day? I can't remember. No, no. All Saints is on the 1st of November. This oh, one is Virgin I'm, I'm bad at religion. I'm bad at religion. It's about the Virgin Mary. And I want to say that this is the day of the Annunciazione, when the angel came down the sky and told her, guess what? You're pregnant. <laughs> um, but then that leaves some questions in my mind, because then we celebrate Jesus Christ's birthday on the 25th. And that would be a 22-day day pregnancy more or less so i'm very confused about this thing but it, i find the whole thing very confusing but we're not here to talk theology because i'm going to be exposed pretty quickly i'm i'm happier to be exposed on lack of football knowledge than lack of <laughs> religious awareness but rory before we start reviewing all of the weekend's fixtures across the Serie A and the premier league and the previewing the champions league because we've got the last match day coming up this week and there are some big big games Bryce Jones is online. You, I mean, a Manchester United fan wants to hear <laughs> you talk about what happened in the game against Arsenal. Of course, on the Friday episode, we were recording, and now we are here, Rory. You've got to go through it, bud. Well, I predicted a clean sheet, which is hilarious. Um, and I predicted an Aubameyang goal, which is even funnier after that performance. Um, I think it genuinely was a game. I'm going to do it super quickly. For me, it was a game that could have gone either way. Um if it wasn't for Erdegaard's stupid mistake giving away that penalty, I think he could have actually been up there as man of the match. He had an incredible performance, but stupid before, stupid mistakes. And again, inexperience costs us. Um, I think I think we deserve to get a point, but Arsenal Twitter rather predictably was like, it's the end of the world. And there's like a huge meltdown and it was all a bit over the top. Like, well, if West Ham can beat Chelsea and Liverpool, why can't Arsenal? We're just getting back. And it's like, oh, okay, guys, let's just take a step back. Like, I, I said I'd do it quickly, but there's like <laughs> two, two themes going through Arsenal Twitter, which is it's a process, it's a process, and why aren't we good now? Why aren't we good now? And it just it's getting very annoying. But to United, fair play. I I knew, I knew we were gonna we were gonna give them that, that three points. I just could see it from a mile off. I could see it. That's why you predicted a clean sheet and an Obama young goal. Last question, Rory. Before well, you're we encouraging me to be confident. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You're right, you're right, you're right. No, and I still love the attitude. You still, you gotta keep it up, bud. No, and the other thing I wanted to ask you is what do you think about Mr. Obama Young liking Cristiano Ronaldo's celebration on Instagram? <laughs> what do you think about um, that? Um I honestly, again, this was another thing that just like a nuclear bomb in Arsenal Twitter. I thought it was a professional respecting a fellow professional who's done an incredible thing. Maybe I'm being really naive and maybe I'm just choosing to pick the positive. But I was like, guys, it's not that deep. The guy scored 800 and 801 goals. I know it was against us, but like I I just saw it as a professional being like, what a performance. Because that is like groundbreaking, right? But a lot of Arsenal fans do not agree with me. <laughs> I think that's probably fair to say. And since we want to be talking about it later, I'll just drop the news very quickly. You guys might have heard that Mr. Ferrero, Sampdoria's president, has been arrested for bankruptcy. The club is not involved. They're talking about other companies that he's the owner slash president of. He's being investigated, but for now he's been already arrested and he's stepped down officially from the Sampdoria job. This comes uh, a few days later. Rory jumped on the Hopeless Wanderer podcast saying that he loves Italian football, 
but it's a little too corrupt. And here is the proof. So we, <laughs> I wish we could say good luck, Mr. Ferrero, but I guess good luck to the Italian justice system. Uh, and do your They've job, got their right? hands full at the minute. They really have got their hands full. It, it's a good year for them. It's a good end of 2021. <laughs> but let's talk about actual football. Rory, I'll let you pick Italy or England first. Let's do it differently. Let's start with Italy this time, I think. All right, let's start with Italy, and I want to start from my team, Inter Milan. What a performance on Saturday against Roma. The first half was otherworldly. It Mm. was everything that a football fan would want to see in a big game, despite Roma not being the the, 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 the deadly team this year, not at all, quite the opposite. But, you know, still a big a big billboard game. You play in Rome, the same stadium where you lost the 3-1 to Lazio. It's a big game. We play against uh, Jose Mourinho, the guy who gave us a Champions League after 45 years. And, uh, you know, I thought the game would be a bit, a bit more hard fought because Roma really did nothing. But I just love the Inter's attitude. There are so many positive takeaways from that game. The first being, I was recently I've been comparing a little bit to Simone Inzaghi and Antonio Conte. Besides mm-hmm. the persona in the press conference room, where I think Inzaghi is just much calmer, he doesn't bring that nervousness, that Conte, that aura of nervousness and being irritated that Conte brings along with him. But on the actual pitch, He's given his own direction to a squad. He's preserved what Conte had built, but he's given his own touch. And you can see it because last year, as much as I didn't agree that Inter played only counter-attacking football, last year there was this tendency to kind of drop deep and then break the Mm -hmm. play, break forward. This year, they're not afraid of, number one, scoring more than one or two goals. The first half could have ended 4-0. So they keep looking for that goal. They bring up the defenders. Did you see Bastoni? He was involved directly in two of the goals, two out of he three. Does love, he does love a foray forward. I can't remember what game it was we were talking about where he was like cutting the ball back. Was it the Milan derby where he ran right into the penalty box and managed to cut the ball back? He does I love think it. I like, think it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, quick football manager talk, but they've recently <laughs> brought in a new position called wide centre-back, and he performs like classic wide centre-back where he's just able to go up the pitch and the wing-back just drops in makes it a back four, and he just loves it. He's so good at it. The Ben and, White role, we like to call it. And, <laughs> and the second goal by in the second ball, goal by Zeko, I mean, that was a beautiful team play. I think 19 touches. The Inter, uh, the Inter Milan Instagram page posted the clip from that, and it was like, you count them. And mm-hmm. I tried to count them, but I, then I lost track because it was so pretty to see. It. Like, everybody gets involved. Chalanoglu doesn't do that self, uh, doesn't score, doesn't shoot on target. He does a very unselfish pass to Zeko, who then is wide open in front of the goal and he can score. And talking about Zeko, I was thinking this guy has been ticking all the boxes of your dream forward. He scores a lot and on every stage he bags heavy goals and he's got a beautiful finish in him. He scores mm-hmm. against his ex club on their turf. What else could you want? It's his season. It's going great. And another, I mean, there are so many individuals. Denzel Dumfries is scoring his first goal for Inter Milan. Not for I can't Rory talk about it. I left him on the bench. I can't I know, talk right? about it. But then Zeko scoring yet another goal. Kalyanoglu score, scoring from the corner kick. That was Mate, a lot. Need but to, that guy's We need to talk class. about Kalyanoglu. Who is this guy? Before we talk about him, apparently, <laughs> news leaked, I don't know from whom, that apparently Simone Inzaghi this summer um, before they started the to, the talks to officially bring him in, he called him, Simone Inzaghi called the Chalonolo and he said, if you come to Inter Milan, I will make you play like Luis Alberto at Lazio. Luis Alberto, I mean, right now under Sarri, we'll talk about Lazio mm-hmm. later, he's not really performing that well, but under Simone Inzaghi, he was absolutely deadly. So a lot of positive takeaways. This brings Inter Milan second on the table as AC Milan also pick up a win against uh, Salernitana. Is it correct? Uh, Yes. Oh, my God. What is going on? I mixed up my tabs against Salernitana. Mm -hmm. 2-0. Goals by Kessi and Salimakers. Both in the first half. It was a pretty good game by AC Milan. I was expecting a 4-5-0. But in the end, they kept the result only 2-0. Another clean second consecutive clean sheet. And then the other big game that we need to talk about that was absolute madness is Napoli-Atalanta. Napoli 2, Atalanta 3. Napoli drop to third. Atalanta are in fourth position only. Uh, two points behind Napoli, and they are 
making themselves noticed for the Scudetto race. I think that Atalanta have what it takes to push this season and try to make a, a meaningful statement in Serie A. I know you agree with that, Rory. Uh, yes, I think they're a very good team, and they are like they are very very good. I just worry about their inability to hold on to leads. Usually, that does concern me. But they did the opposite this game, right? Like it looked like Napoli got the game wrapped up, really. And I was like, okay, this is Napoli again, like getting that win in the bag. And then Atlanta from nowhere, and what just beautiful goals, beautiful game. Demiral's goal was unbelievable for a centre-back. That footwork is incredible. Um, you, have, you have to, there were, if you watch even the short highlights from Serie mm-hmm. in the two plays, I think it's the two, it's the 2-2 two, two and the 3-2 for Atalanta. Mm-hmm. You just looked at the movement of the players. There is one moment when they decided to go forward and attack. It feels like, you know, those clips from the, I want to say the Netherlands at the 1978 World Cup where they played that sort of total football and you would see like 10 mm-hmm. orange shirts pressing <laughs> on the ball <laughs> yeah, carrier. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was like that. And once they get the ball, everybody knows exactly which movement they have to do. And uh, they made those goals seem easy, but it's uh, such incredible teamwork. Atalanta, I think, honestly, at the beginning of the season, I want to say that we were kind of saying they're still inconsistent. They don't have what it takes to stay at the top. But right now, they've they've had a nice comeback. They've had a, a bunch of very important wins. And right now, they're fourth in the league. They haven't lost a game in all competitions since Manchester United on October Jesus. 20th. when they And they were leading that game 2-0. We need to talk about Zapata as well. I'm very quickly falling in love with him. I've only really kind of started watching him properly this year. His cutback for the first goal was incredible um, for Atlanta's first goal. What a player he is. What like Honestly, he's a player that you've talked, we've talked about him a lot, and I've always just known he's good without watching him. But this year, I've definitely watched a lot more Serie A. I'm watching even more Serie A. And he really is standing out to me. Like, and he's having an incredible season. I think we thought that maybe they'd be missing Muriel not having the most prolific season or even a good season but he's really kind of filling in for both at the moment yeah no Muriel well he's he's come back from an injury the games he's played he's played three games scored a goal assisted twice he's not off but you see Atalanta Mm -hmm. can even can even you know they can even manage to go to Napoli not play Muriel not play Cop Miners who's been playing Mm -hmm. very well they've got these very well established rotations and Steve I do agree with you so much Atalanta are getting players back rather than purchasing them. And it's true. So many times, Ilicic, if you remember two years ago, he underwent depression. Uh, he wanted to quit football. Atalanta were very patient with him. They were like, look, you're in Slovenia with your family. Spend all of the summer there. Do what you want. Then you come back. You start training with the team and you see how you feel. No pressure at all on the player. Muriel, he's been getting a lot of stick as soon as he came back. Uh, Gasperini, I want to say, he didn't play him for two consecutive games. He came back and he scored a goal. So the reason <laughs> Gasperini is doing as much as I really dislike the guy, he's doing a very, very good job at Atalanta. One other thing that we needed to talk about, uh, about Roma, they are having their worst beginning to Serie A since... Uh, I heard it today on the radio since 29 seasons ago or something. They haven't lost that many games since 29 seasons ago. Um, Roma have already lost seven in their first 16. They are seventh on 25 points, uh, even with Lazio. Lazio did win at the weekend. They still conceded a goal. They have been conceding so much. If you look at the goals they've conceded, they've conceded the 30. That's more than Bologna, Elas Verona, Empoli, Sassuolo, Torino, Udinese, Venezia even, uh, and even Cagliari. They've considered more than all of these uh, teams. But I want to say that uh, Ciro Immobile had a very, very good game. Mm-hmm. He scored a brace. And I think that he may get, and we are the first in line, he may get a little bit too much stick about his footballing ability or inability. Because on his day, Ciro Immobile is a hell of a forward. The problems are two. Number one, when he's not on his day, he's fucking useless. And number mm-hmm. two, he hasn't been having many of those I'm on my day type of days. So usually it's just, it's actually dangerously useless because it's dangerous for the team. You know, he loses the ball, he doesn't run, he makes the wrong pass. But this weekend, he had an assist, almost an assist, two goals, and it, it, he was on fire. If he always played like that, he would be a household name of Italian football. 
but unfortunately, I don't think his name is ever going to go down in history as one of the great Italian strikers, despite his numbers. Yeah, well, this is it. We've talked about it a million times, about how despite his numbers, we're still never quite convinced by him. We're never quite like in love with him. He's always a bit like waiting for him to do more, waiting for it to like push on to the next bit. But we were talking just before we pressed that live button um, that... For me, in that first goal, Immobile f- pushing that defender off the off the ball and showing that strength, that's the most physicality I've seen from him in all the games combined that I've watched of him before. It was just I was like, holy crap, he's got that in the locker. Like and he able to he was able to like get the ball down, open that space so that Milinkovic Savage could get on the ball and, and score the first goal. Though Sampdoria are pretty bloody terrible and gonna have a rough season. They've got some big players missing as well. Like Damsgaard is still injured and their kind of squad is a bit in pieces. But yeah, for Lazio to get that win is massive. What really from what you were talking about with Roma, just to kind of jump all over the place a little bit. Yeah, it, sorry, sorry, it, sorry. No, it's it's mad that they've lost seven and they still find themselves in seventh. Like, that's an incredibly fortuitous event. Like, and Roma were absolutely woeful against you. Like, they really were terrible. Zaniolo had an absolute nightmare. Um, and it just, it, it, both Roma and Lazio kind of going through these weird stagnant seasons with these new managers that were kind of everyone was very very excited about look about roma it's uh, i i've been driving quite a bit recently and i've been listening every time i'm on the car i just turn on a sports radio and mm-hmm. they talk it's just dudes talking about football it's it's yeah, dream, the, the right? sports in italy just means football yeah <laughs> like... no no no. They were, no today they were also covering there is this italian you see i don't even remember her name unfortunately <laughs> but congratulations at the skiing world cup she's won okay in three, in three different competitions on three different days they were talking about that, about tennis, but then there was a lot of football. And they were saying about Roma, it's just very short-sighted business. They've changed mm-hmm. the ownerships, managers. There hasn't been over the past 10 years, you want to say, there has been no continuity at Roma. Yeah, yeah. Now, Bryce is saying it's almost like Mourinho isn't a very good manager anymore. Look, man, I agree with you. Like when I look at when I when I looked at Tottenham, when I look at Roma, I'm just like, where is what is Mourinho doing? Like, where is his the identity of this team it's mm-hmm. nowhere to be found this guy was arguing on the radio today that Mourinho this is Roma's fault because Mourinho is not the type of manager that makes your players grow he's the type of managers that needs a good a good team right away and they think that Roma despite having a few very good names they are not an ensemble they would need a superstar Francesco Totti, who did go back at the stadium only to see his team lose oh, to, to Inter Milan, he also said the same thing. He was like, look, I don't dislike the squad, but <clears throat> it's very difficult when you don't have any superstars. Mm-hmm. One, they had, and they sold it to Inter Milan. Uh, he did not celebrate, of course, when he scored. But yeah, Roma is kind of all over the place. And But at, at the same time, is it big piece of news that Roma are in shambles again. It's just like so much their history. It's, it's what so happens throughout their, yeah, throughout their existence is Roma just being a bit in shambles, right? By the way, Steve, yes, Zaniolo's phantom goal got a celebration on Italian TV. They put up the one, the 3-1 result, but then I was, I, I was a little bit drunk and I was looking at the screen and I was like, it didn't look in. Mate, I could have sworn it went in. I could have sworn it went in. See, I, I have better eyesight when I'm when I'm drinking. I was <laughs> I, I was like on my second beer or something, and I was looking. I was like, no, that was not a goal. And people were like, oh, it's not a goal. Of course it is. And then they showed the replay, and I was like, guys, I did see <laughs> correctly. But uh, other results in Serie A, uh, we had a Bologna Fiorentina, pretty exciting game. It ended three two in favor of the Toscani of the Viola. Fiorentina now are uh, sixth, twenty seven points, two above Roma and Lazio, while Roma are ninth on twenty four points. By the way, R- Bologna their best start to Serie A ever since two thousand and two. I've always thought that they've been really, really patient with uh, Mihailovic, and maybe. His project at Bologna has been paying off. Spezia Sassuolo ended in a draw 2-2 with a brace from Raspadori, bringing the result uh, to to a tie uh, after they went down 2-0 uh, at the 48th minute. Uh, Venezia-Verona, this was a hell of a game. 3-0 Venezia in the first half, I want to say. Yes, in the first half, in the first 30 minutes of play, Venezia go up 3-0 in a derby at home. But then in the second half, it all starts with an Henry own goal and then a Caprari penalty and the Simeone with the 
brace to oh. make Verona win the game. That... What, did you, what did you like more, the chip or that absurd shot from outside the box? No, it has to be the one that, to make it 4-3. The long-range absolute rocket was such a beautiful goal. But the, when they got one back, I was like, okay, maybe like something could happen here. But Venezia were kind of keeping it calm. They were keeping him at arm's length. And then their defender, who got sent off, just completely like he handled it off the line um, as it was going in, tried to head it, used his arm, head it, head like headed the post, ended up injured, got sent off. Then it's a penalty. Then it's 3 2. And you're like, okay, 3 2. And now you're down to 10 men. Yeah, this is only going one way. And Venezia just looked shell shocked. It was crazy because the first half, as you can imagine, the atmosphere, like the stadium was going crazy. And then the second half, it was just complete silence, <laughs> except the Verona end just going mad. Oh my God, that was a shift. And for like a, a team that are going to be fighting relegation, are fighting relegation, that is like, like psychologically, that's going to be a massive blow. It has but to be. Still, I believe that Venezia are a very, very capable team. And I do believe that they're going to stay mm. up this season. Uh, this brings Giovanni Simeone third to the third place in the race for the Capo Cannoniere title. Ciri Mobile is 13th. Um, Dusan Vlanovic is uh, also first with the 13th goal. And Giovanni Simeone is a third, but he's the only one of the three who hasn't even shot a penalty. Uh, Ciri Mobile has got three. Dusan Vlanovic has got five. So 11. Seven goals from open play. Well played. Uh, since we're jumping all over the place, I wanted to say in the Bologna Fiorentina game, the Biragi free kick. Woo, Ooh. baby. Cristiano I... Ronaldo esque, I want to say. Well, no, <laughs> did he spam it into the wall? Because that's all Ronaldo seems to do with <laughs> free kicks at the moment. True, um, true, true. I wanted to share a quick bit of, I learned some Puglian, uh, Pugliese dialect this weekend because of Simeone. So they okay. called him Cholito, right? Cholito, yeah. Yeah, and the girlfriend was saying that Chola in Puglia means Willy. So she kept laughing every time his, they were calling him Cholito because it means Little Willy. And I thought it was quite cool. Okay, what, what is Willy? Chola. Like your, pe- your, your penis. Ah, okay. Willy, <laughs> Willy, Willy. By the way, uh, talking about Italian dialects, I once saw a map of all of Italy with all the different names that, it, that different regions and towns give to the dick mm-hmm. or to the female <laughs> yeah, yeah. genital organs. It's pretty, there are a lot of different words. And then Juventus win 2 0 against Genoa, who had zero shots on target. This is Juve's second consecutive win, but. Yeah, yeah, Salernitana, Salernitana and Genoa. The thing is that Juve should have scored more. There was a little argument between the Dybala, uh, Allegri and Morata when uh, the Spaniard got substituted. I think there were quite a few chances where Juventus should have scored. At a moment, it was pretty hilarious. Bernardeschi slipped on the ball. Dybala slipped. No, sorry, Morata slipped. It was kind of funny. But about the Genoa, I have to say that I feel really bad for Andriy Shevchenko. He drew the first game in charge, nil-nil against Udinese, and then two consecutive losses without scoring a goal against Juventus, zero shots on target. Um, his squad is so depleted, it's not even funny. Everybody is injured. And yes, Steve, he should have played himself up front, but he wouldn't have gotten that many balls, I don't think. Um, that's pretty sad. This leaves uh, Genoa uh, still in the drop zone together with Cagliari, who are going to play tonight, and Salernitana. As we are speaking, Empoli are winning 3-1 against Udinese. They did come back after 1-0 after being one deal will eh, one nil down thanks to a Delofeu goal. Rory, I think you're gonna lose at fantasy football this weekend. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna lose pretty hard. But I was just looking at the table. Empoli are only four points off um the Europa League. No, Europa Conference. They the Empoli are making a push for Europe. This is gonna be our new our new campaign. Let's see if Empoli can get there. They are looking, they are causing a lot of teams a lot of problems and they're scoring a lot of goals. All yeah. their games they seem to like have two or three goals. I'm just looking now. They've already scored 26 goals this season. Yeah. Like, that's not bad. Not at all. The last time that they didn't score any goals was on October 27th against the Inter Milan. Hmm. Ooh. Nice. Since then, only one loss, three draws, two wins, and always scoring a goal. Pretty good job, Empoli. Rory, should we jump to the Premier League before we preview this week's Champions League action, which is going to be intense? Let's jump to the Premier League. And in the Premier League, we're only talking about one team. Who is it, Tommy? 
sorry, what did, I was looking at Bryce's <laughs> comment. I was reading. Sorry. We're only talking about one team and it's the Happy Hammers. As the Happy game. Hammers. Holy shit, man. That was quite a result. Did you like my little Instagram story on our page? Yeah, yeah. With, with Lukaku getting a hammer on his head and a little boing, boing, so, boing. So they have the now scored six goals against Liverpool and Chelsea, right? Beaten both of them. This season, they have beaten Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City and Man United in the League Cup. They've beaten Tottenham and they've beaten Leicester, even though Leicester are an absolute shower this season. We will get onto that. West Ham are causing problems. And this game was ridiculous. Now, you know how we were saying that maybe Donnarumma didn't deserve the Ballon d'Or and Mendy should have got it? Mm-hmm. I think we jinxed him. <laughs> Mendy had an absolute stinker. The the first West Ham goal, he like the pass back wasn't great, granted. But he just freezes, stands on the ball, stupid tackle, gives away the penalty. All of a sudden, West Ham a level. Then Mason Mount scores a beautiful, like genuinely beautiful goal to put them 2-1 up. And it looked kind of like at that point, going to halftime, West Ham were going to be like Chelsea were going to be comfortable. But we said that in their last game, like Tuchel said himself, we were very lucky to get out of there with a win, right? Against Watford. And this game, it looks like they are wobbling. They just cannot score goals and a, a defense that looked rock solid and looked impenetrable, only scoring three alls, only conceding three all season, have now conceded that number in one game. And in two games in a row, they've had Jorginho give away a, a defensive mistake leading to a goal. And now Mendy, it looks like there's a little bit of a wobble, a little bit of cracks creaking in there at Chelsea. And it's not helped by the fact that Lukaku is doing nothing now he is coming back to full fitness right he's been out injured for a while but as you've said before he was doing nothing before that either so it's not like he was in good form then got injured i talked about it on a hopeless wanderer pod actually but the last time chelsea had a prolific striker i can't really remember i think diego costa's maybe the last one where you think that was like a top five in the world numbers striker like chelsea just cannot nail that position um and they were just really blunt. But West Ham were incredible. Like, on the counter, like, they are just so clinical. And, like, even players like Antonio, this game, he didn't score, right? But he put in an absolute 10 out of 10 performance. <laughs> like, his holding up the ball, bringing the other players into play. Like, the way Bowen plays off him is unbelievable. Like, they're just... With David Moyes, we've talked about him before, how he's changed his football and he's, like, evolved when it looked like his career was over, he's kind of come back and just learned and adapted and changed. The Revenant. And this is like, yeah, this is, I think this is the best team he's ever had in his career. And it's the best period of his career. Like, so at Everton, he once finished fourth, I want to say, in the 0405 season um, on 61 points, right? At this point in the season, so after 15 games, he had 29 points. They've got 26 at the moment, or 27 at the moment. So this is up there with his best season ever, right? Um, And at West Ham, he's got a 48% win percentage. The only club where he had a higher win percentage was Man United with 52% win percentage. Um, But he really is. This is like his his team, his era. And what he's managed to do is he's got a team with a great work ethic, an incredible work ethic, but he's also got incredibly talented players. So players like Declan Rice, Fornals, Bowen, Antonio, like these are all very talented players, but they're also willing to put an absolute graft in. And they're going to cause, they have caused and will continue to cause teams problems all throughout the season. Like the next Arsenal game that I'm nervous, properly nervous about, apart from tonight, because is Everton and we have to win, is West Ham, because I think they're going to absolutely run us to pieces. Like, this is a scary team. I think, Moise, I was thinking about the same thing for Giovanni Simeone. And, I mean, we kind of uh, sit here and analyze the, ga- analyze the games, watch the games, and then comment on them, and then say, this player is shit, this player is becoming ridiculous, this manager is gone, is done, and everything. Think about actually being the manager, being the player. So, Giovanni Simeone has always performed, but kind of moved many, many Mm -hmm. different teams. Imagine the nerve that it takes to be concentrated for that long and to be like, my day is going to come. Like, Simeone knows that at some point, a big team is big, a bigger team is going to come for Mm -hmm. him. But it's going to be tough, you know, to move from Genoa to Fiorentina to Cagliari to Verona. 
and keep your mantle going. Moyes, after the Manchester United job, he was he became kind of a living meme, you know, like man. And then he went to Sociedad where it was a disaster. He went yeah. to Sunderland where it was a bin fire. Like, and then takes, West Ham sacked him. He takes it takes guts to sit down yeah. and be like, okay, maybe something is not working for a player in my game, for a manager in my tactics. Maybe I need to sit down for a few years and look at what other managers are doing. Maybe I need to go watch more football, get more ideas from other managers, and then you combine it all together. You're patient and there you get West Ham overtaking uh, Chelsea which is beautiful to see and this is like a team that it's not because I think last year when they got the Europa League we've said it before but people were like oh West Ham in the Europa League that's cute that'll be really fun and then you're like actually these are going to be one of the biggest contenders for top four this year like and the top four race is going to be huge because you're going to have United are now going to be back on it Arsenal hopefully will be there or thereabouts. Conte are going to have Tottenham there. And West Ham aren't going anywhere. So this is going to be like four teams fighting for that last spot is going to be intense. And I think there's no reason to think that West Ham couldn't do it. Like I said, they've already beaten United. They've already beaten Liverpool and Chelsea. Like they're not going to change the way they play. They're not going to be scared of anyone. And there's no pressure on them. Like they're in the perfect position. Whereas if Arsenal or United go into those games, they're still because of history, expected to win those games, even if they're not actually necessarily better than them on the pitch. So it's like they're in the perfect position and the Europa League campaign is going great. They finished top of their group, right? Like, would you really be surprised if they made a proper run there? I would not at all. Like, and this is a really great team. We have to talk about Masuaku's goal, his first ever Premier League goal. Now, I like Arthur Masuaku. He seems like on social media, he's hilarious, very good player. Um, it was obviously a massively lucky, fortuitous goal. I think people were a bit harsh on Mendy because Mendy's positioned himself to come out for the cross and no one's expecting it to hit Loftus-Cheek's toe and go at the opposite post, right? He does get his hand to it, so maybe he should be a bit, a little bit stronger and he should get more behind it. But I think it's a little bit harsh to be like, that is Mendy's fault. Um yeah, hopeless wonder. You are absolutely right. The key was not selling rice in the summer. The ma- the fact that they've managed to hold on to him. And the thing is, I was arguing about this with someone uh, five aside last week, and they were saying because uh, while you United were playing, while you were playing, you were having these arguments. Yeah, yeah. I'm just that no, annoying. I just like I just bombard people with my opinions constantly. Um, this guy's a United fan, and he's a bit of a wanker, but that's not why he's a wanker. But anyway, we were arguing about it. He said, no, United will get Rice, United will get Rice. I was like, I think he's going to stay at West Ham. You know? He's got everything he wants there for the next couple of years. He's playing European football. It's a club he loves. Like, they could win a cup or something. He has no reason to go anywhere. And he has developed. Like, when we used to talk to Tom, friend of the show, about Rice, I would always, obviously, he was telling me how good he is. And I never quite believed it and then the more I watch him I'm like yeah no you're absolutely right and his game keeps evolving now he's become a box-to-box midfielder he's getting much more threatening in like the uh, opposition box like his final pass is getting better his shooting's getting better he's becoming a massively more complete midfielder I would arguably say maybe like an English Barella but He's an incredible, incredible player, and we should be really excited about him. And West Ham fans, there's going to be a statue outside that ground of him if he stays for another couple of years. Also, like, he's, he he's is also, unbelievable. He's also one of England's standout names in the mm-hmm. uh, European Championship final this summer. He was probably to, he was one of the best players, I think, during the final. Well, to, to try out the tournament, he was fantastic. Try, him and Calvin Phillips, but throughout the tournament, he was amazing. And yeah, it has been huge for West Ham because I think everyone assumed that he was going to go to Chelsea. Um, but no, he beats them. 3-2, and the Hammers march on. And Rory, you were talking about Tottenham. Do you think, I haven't watched the game actually, not even the highlights. Do you think that we can start to see Antonio Gontes uh, uh, teaching uh, working uh, for the team? Uh, do you think, I that, think uh, he's... it's working or not? I think he's doing his classic thing of getting the best out of players that aren't that great. And that's what he does. Um, there has obviously been a massive upturn in form since he arrived. Their games have also been slightly kind, um, but that's my Arsenal bias coming out there, right? I think they've not really faced a proper opponent yet since he took over off the top of my head. Um, if they yeah, have, they haven't. Well against them. They so, haven't really. So I think it's kind of been an easy... 
transition for Antonio. But yeah, they've got themselves. It makes that United result even more annoying because we've just opened the door for United and Spurs now. And it's really fucking annoying because they are right behind us. But I think Conte is going to continue to do what he does and just get the best out of what is a fairly average squad and then see what he can do in January. Uh, but yeah, another 3-0 three, three win against Norwich. Pretty comfortable. Um, yeah. Five goals in two consecutive games, zero conceded in the Prem since, since Antonio Gonte has taken over. Sorry, guys, I'm obsessed with this guy that we actually bumped into last week on a we side did. Ball. We did. He works at a radio station, and every Monday he just releases impressions of all the Italian managers, but including Antonio Gonte. What's his like handle? What's guy. his handle? His handle is Edo Mecca. You guys, if you can understand some Italian, he doesn't write which impressions he's making. It's just like a 10 t- minute thing, and he does all the different impressions. You will recognize from the wigs, uh, I think, uh, Andrea Pirlo and uh, Gasperini and so on. But he's, he's hilarious. Edo Mecca with a double C. Um, what are their standout games? Manchester United win 1-0 against Crystal Palace. We don't want to give Bryce, you know, anything to talk Fred, about. So. Fred has discovered he's Brazilian again um, and absolutely pinged one in the top corner with his right foot. Uh, Man United just... They won the ball 12 times in the opposition half, the most they have this season, or I think the joint most they have this season. Ranić having an immediate effect. I think, honestly, Fred has actually turned a corner a little bit since Oli left. He was great against Arsenal. He was great against Chelsea. Um, I think he really has kind of the the lack of defensive um, responsibility on him really is making him a bit of a better player and freeing him up to do what he does best. Um, for United, they should have won this four or five. Like Palace were not in this game. They got absolutely battered, but they got the win in the end, as United always do. Um, and on they march. But the game I wanted to talk about, another game I wanted to talk about was, of course, Wolves nil, Liverpool won. Now, the scoreline, you think, oh, it's not a great game. And it, it was a pretty interesting game, but towards the end, I was kind of like, oh, Losing interest a little bit. I thought, honestly, that Wolves were just going to do a classic like smash and grab and nick one at the end. But then Jurgen Klopp remembers that he has a ace up the sleeve and brings off brings on Divock Origi with apparently the instructions of just go out there and be Divock, which I absolutely love. And of course he does. He goes out there in 94th minute, scores a beautiful goal. And this guy, my cousin, Chris, friend of the show, just text me straight away. I love Divock Origi. <laughs> like, and I was looking at his career now. It's really weird because his goal record doesn't sound that great. So no, he's got thir- he's got thirty nine goals in one hundred and sixty six matches, mm-hmm. right? But obviously, a lot of these games he doesn't play ninety minutes, right? So by minute, he averages a goal every one hundred and seventy five minutes, which isn't that bad. Like one every I- two games. Yeah, exactly. One every two games. That's a pretty good hit rate for a striker, right? That's not bad. Considering you're only playing for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And then, obviously, the goals this guy scores. So, he scored against Everton. He scored twice against Everton in derbies. He scored that Barca goal, the quick uh, the quick corner that caused the whole thing to, like, fall into place. Uh, and he scored in the Champions League final, right? The, the second goal that made it comfortable. Like, this guy just comes on ice in his veins and just gets that beautiful. And a lot of these goals are beautiful as well. They're not like crap goals. They're like, one of them's an overhead kick. There's like some beautiful footwork and you're like, I like this guy's career, weirdly. Like, it's a time, weird career. For some time, I thought that Bacuai was Chelsea's mm. origin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then he's traveled around more than Origi has, and he hasn't been as impactful. But, man, I was watching that. It was right before the, the ending of the game was right before the Inter-Roma mm. game. We're at this Irish pub. Last five minutes, I'm like, ah, damn it, Liverpool being Liverpool. Like, it, they could go top because, the, of course, we already knew of the West Ham result. And then next thing you know, Divo Corrigi with a nice stop and turn and just, like, pinks it in. Beautiful scenes. Beautiful, beautiful. And beautiful. it felt massive. Like, that is a massive goal. Because, so key. Like, so key. like you said, with Chelsea dropping points, like, and they didn't know how... Well, they knew how City were going to get on, but they didn't know how City were going to get on. Um for them to go top for that bit and really put a statement down is huge. I think, like we said, Chelsea are starting to wobble a bit and it's really important that Liverpool don't because, as we said it for the a millionth time, AFCON is going to screw them. So they need to get these points now. They really need to get the points. But what's going on with the Foxes, Rory? Oh, one loss to Aston Villa, which I want to say makes it uh, Steven Gerrard's uh, third win out of four since his... Uh, 
he's become he's been appointed as Aston Villa manager and on Saturday he goes back to Anfield could he upset them there but let's talk about this game what happened what's going on with the Midlands Foxes so for well we'll get on to Leicester but as you said Gerard yeah won three out of four games since he's taken over the only loss was against Man City and I think we'll let him off with that right in those yeah, this time yeah we'll let you go fine <laughs> in those four games they've only conceded four goals right in the previous four games before he took over, they conceded 12, right? So he really has shored up that defense and just got it organized. Mings is looking good. The wing backs are great, as we've talked about before. Konza next to him is a really underrated young English centre-back which should be getting a bit more attention. And Gerard has really turned that team around. It'll be incredible to see him go back to uh, go back to Anfield. That is going to be like... scenes, I imagine, yeah. That is going to be an emotional return for the Liverpool fans and for him, I think. But for Leicester, now their defence is just shite this year. So they've only Watford, Newcastle and Norwich have conceded more goals than them wow. this year, right? So that's three of the bottom four, right? And now they've gone 20 games in all competitions without a clean sheet, right? So this is like... Now, obviously, the big thing is this this year, Fafana got injured in a friendly with a horror tackle. I think that has been like a bigger miss than people anticipated. Um, Soyuncu just hasn't looked the same. I think they are missing Fafana. But then you look at their strikers. They've scored 21 goals, right, in the Premier League. And only United, West Ham, Liverpool, Chelsea and City have scored more than them. So they're scoring more than Arsenal, right, which isn't difficult, to be fair. But that's like six of the top seven teams and then Leicester like so their defense is just costing them completely the fact they cannot keep a clean sheet and they're just they're now down in 11th and it just feels like this season's kind of getting away from them like they're not really it doesn't feel like they're going to achieve much now or can they achieve much I think it's just going to be a bit of a lost season and Rodgers will eventually be under a bit of pressure I would suspect especially if it continues but a player who does stand out for me every time I see him for Leicester is Harvey Barnes He's an unbelievable player. Another beautiful goal. He opened the scoring, but they just couldn't keep hold of it. So they 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 let a lead slip as well, which is just a kind of sign of how things are going there at the moment. But what what happened to the Leicester defense? Well, besides Fofana, Suyuncu used to be. I haven't watched much Leicester this year, but Suyuncu is a pretty good defender. What 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 about Evans, this Northern Irish guy? He seems pretty old. Thirty three. Um, he kept a clean sheet against Italy, mate. He does all right. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, he was a starter during that game. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the captain. Evans. All right. Uh, other games to talk about. Leeds Brentford 2-2 with a 95th minute Bamford equalizer for Leeds. Now, this then... is... Yeah, go for it. Sorry, Leeds. This is the fourth time, the third time that they've scored after the 90th minute mark to either get an equalizer or a winner. So there was a 94th minute equalizer against Wolves, a 93rd minute winner against Palace, and now a 95th minute equalizer against Brentford. We know that Leeds love to run and their fitness levels are ridiculous while it's starting to show because they're getting those late goals and they are all massive goals. And seeing Elland Road explode like that, what a stadium. It's beautiful to see it go absolutely insane. Well, I want to say that another player that scores quite a few last-minute goals is Neil Mopé for uh, Brighton, this time too, at the 98th minute to draw the game for the Seagulls. Since he was booed, I want to say he hasn't lost the game yet, right? <laughs> yeah, no, he hasn't. He's still going. He's still going. Three consecutive draws. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Sons of bitches. You thought I couldn't win and the a game? Pattern... Well, I can't lose them either. There you go. <laughs> I think this is the pattern continuing for Brighton as well, right? Lose, draw, 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 lose draw 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 so i think the pattern the pattern is keeping up so that's always good and look and i have i have some news for the brighton fans next week they play tottenham and they should be able to win it because it was win draw 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 loss draw 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 loss draw 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 and now win draw 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 that's what it needs to be win draw 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 all right pretty good stuff what else have we got manchester city making light work of watford winning three nil away from home any takeaways from this game uh bernardo silva two goals the guy's just ridiculous um, Italy is not going Sterling. to the world cup <laughs> sorry not going to be in the world cup yes we're um, not going to the world cup guys i'm telling you <laughs> 
And Raheem Sterling getting another goal, but the rumours linking him to Arsenal keep increasing, and I'm getting really excited that we might actually get him, so I really hope we do. It would be incredible. Um, but Bernardo Silva, another two goals as Man City made light work of Watford. But Watford, again, it's just like they weren't bad. They just weren't quite good enough, and I think that's just going to be the story of their season. Um, and then apart from that, we have... Very quickly, Jude Bellingham getting invested, oh, investigated by the Bundesliga. No, we, we forgot one game before the investigation. Oh. Newcastle United. Oh, sorry. First game yeah. of the season and the hands taking a group team picture in the locker room. They've been <laughs> waiting for this for so long. I'm sure they've figured out the perfect angle. They've been <laughs> waiting. Yeah, so they've been rehearsing this. it every week, rehearsing it on the <laughs> training right. ground. Yeah, I've been giving Newcastle a lot of stick, but fair play. <laughs> they've actually they actually got the result, right? They went one nil up and I went, right, how long is it gonna be before Burnley score? But they kept a clean sheet, their first clean sheet of the season, obviously, right? The first clean sheet of the season. It was a good goal from Wilson, but they were massively helped by the goalkeeper who just dropped it and okay. it just rolled. Um but Wilson, like we said, their only decent player, getting a beautiful uh, goal, and now Newcastle can start looking up. But the the top, the bottom three teams are all on ten points. So, no, like, that's all... what, so I was thinking about the Brighton fans booing uh, Graham Potter because they they're getting too many draws. Ask Newcastle United about the importance of a draw because it's a miracle that they're not even last. They're on even points with Burley and Norwich and they have won only one but drawn seven. Look, right now I'm looking. Watford are on 13, Everton on 15, Southampton on 16. There is a chance that maybe this will be a little corner turn and Newcastle will come back. We need to actually talk about Everton are getting dragged into this relegation battle as well. And it's not, it is really genuinely quite worrying. Like they, all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're having quite a bad season. And then you look and you're like, oh my God, they're having a terrible season. Hopefully it continues tonight. Also, we we have to fucking No, you, you're going to win, Rory. But before we preview this night's game, guys, there is a, a Champions League football coming up mm-hmm. uh, this week. And there are some games that cannot be missed. Now, listen up, listen up. I did say it. I would be less uh, uh, I would be less afraid to make uh, crazy predictions this year. Next uh, tomorrow, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch the Inter game, but guys, if I was a batting man, I would bet on Inter winning by two goals. Wow, what am I talking about? So, Real Madrid Inter tomorrow kicks off at 9 p.m. This is of course to decide Who's going to be top of the group? Both teams have already qualified. And then Sheriff play Shakhtar Donetsk. But it's a game that doesn't mean much. It's going to play in Donetsk. It doesn't mean much because Donetsk have no possibility whatsoever of making the Europa League. So it's going to be the Moldovans who will go to the Europa League. Oui. And we'll see what they will be able to do there. Then we've got Ajax Sporting. Ajax are, of course, already qualified to the next stage. Sporting might as well... No, Sporting also are, because Dortmund mm-hmm. are officially out. So the other game that we'll have is Dortmund against Besiktas. Dortmund are condemned, unfortunately, to the Europa League. Group B. Now, this is a crazy group. And today, I worked out the math in my head during a few traffic lights while I was driving, and I wish I had written it down because it was quite complicated. (laughs) Rory, can you figure it out better than I can? Right, so, right, Milan AC Milan played Liverpool at home. No, AC Milan played Liverpool at home. Okay, AC Milan played Liverpool at home, so Porto played Atletico. So, Porto need to do better than Milan do. Mm -hmm. And And Milan need to just do better than Atletico, right? No, yeah. Well, guys, they just need to hope the Porto and Atletico draw. Why don't you play this game, guys? It's called the figure it out. Liverpool <laughs> are for Liverpool are in 15 points. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool are in 15 points, and they are going to go through. Second is Porto on five, third AC Milan on four, and fourth Atletico on four. Now, AC Milan play Liverpool at home, and they need to win this game if they want their chances to stay alive, and they need to hope that Porto. Uh, draw, I would say, to Atletico Madrid. Uh, or because if they lost at that point, we would see the head-to-head between Atletico and Milan. Well, 
guys, can somebody in the chat? This is why we do the live stream because we need your help. God damn it! And you, as as long as you have to write bullshit about your favorite player, you're always the first one to type. But right now, you're not coming in through. Moving on, next, <laughs> the last group that we've got is Group A, where Man City uh, is going to take on RB Leipzig away from home. PSG is going to take on a club Bruges at home. Of course, Man City and PSG are already qualified. It's a fight to see who will go to the Europa League between RB Leipzig and club Bruges. Rory. And RB, RB Leipzig have just sacked Jesse Marsh as well. They've just sacked their manager, so it's going to be an interim in charge. Perfect timing. See if they can get something against City and secure that Europa League spot. I'm not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath. Rory, I let you go through Wednesday because my my head started hurting while I was going through these groups. <laughs> okay, let me find Wednesday. So Wednesday, we ha- we're going to start with well, we've got Group H, the the last group: Chelsea, Zenit, Juventus, and Malmo. Now this group is already tied up, of course, but it's going to be Chelsea versus Juventus in a shoot off to see who can score the most. Um, Chelsea's goal difference is pretty far ahead; they're on plus nine, Juventus are on plus three. So bar a miracle you would be looking at Chelsea finishing top which is going to be huge so that is Chelsea going away to Zenit and Juventus taking on Malmo at home Malmo have just this weekend secured the Swedish title on the last game of the season with absolute scenes in that stadium fireworks and flares and all sorts so they're going to be on a high hoping to cause an upset and they might actually cause more of a challenge to Juventus than Genoa or Solanitana did to be fair so it could be a tricky one They've got one point and one goal scored in the Champions League. It was more a, that was more a diss to Genoa and Salernitana, I'll be honest. But. These are the Swedish champions, guys. All right, let's keep going. Oh, <laughs> come why. on. I think that's harsh. I'm Malmo. I still love you. Right, good. Um, then we have Benfica taking on um, Dynamo Kiev. But the big game in that group, Tommy... <laughs> Bayern versus Barcelona. Lewandowski Guys, had to sit and watch Messi take that trophy. Is he about to bum Barcelona out of the Champions Dude. League? Double digits, guys. Please aim for <laughs> double digits. We want to see this. We, I, I, So many people want to see this. Double digits, possibly clean sheet, 10-0. Dude, that would be the result of a lifetime. I don't know. I feel like there are... I don't know the reason this rivalry has born between uh, has been born between Barcelona and Bayern Munich, and I think that Bayern Munich won't do it. These guys don't make me. I mean, I mean, I don't want to fall into any stereotypes, but these guys, I want them to go full German against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Please, guys, effective and just angry. No well, problem... bloodbath. Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> he just typed bloodbath. The the problem for Barcelona is that Benfica plays Dinamo Kiev, who have been terrible um, at home, and Benfica have been really good. So that is the main problem, is that Barcelona can't rely on things to go their way. Benfica are going to beat Dinamo Kiev, I think. So I think Bayern are going to be, yeah, ruthless here. We know they're not a team that, like, they're not a team that take their foot off the gas. They don't care that they've already qualified. They believe in momentum and just getting those wins, getting those wins. That keeps you going. So they're not going to pull any punches here, and Barcelona are going to be in trouble because Xavi has actually had a pretty underwhelming start to his career at Barcelona. It's definitely not going as well as people imagined. Um, so I think it could be. Could be Barcelona in the Europa League, which will be Barcelona. Imagine just now, imagine West Ham versus Barcelona in the Europa League. (laughs) Yes, please. The Europa League (laughs) final, Barcelona, West Ham, and the Hammers (laughs) fucking win it. That would be beautiful to see. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich, please don't, don't, don't play your second string squad. But then we also got the pretty exciting group in Group F, Man United. First at 10 points, Villarreal second at seven, Atalanta trail by one point at six, and then Young Boys at four. What about the games? What about the results we should expect? So we've got Atalanta at home to Villarreal, fresh off that incredible win against Napoli. They are going to be bouncing. Villarreal, we've talked about draws. Villarreal are the experts at drawing in La Liga, um, so their momentum isn't that great. Whereas Man United are at home to Young Boys, fresh revived under Ranić, they're probably going to batter them. But I think, I'm going to say, now I, don't, I can't remember what my prediction was last week. Maybe I've changed it. I'm going to say that Atalanta go through. I think Atalanta gets something against Villarreal. I think United gets something against Young Boys and it all kind of stays as it is. 
I think it's going to be a more hard-fought fight than we would expect between Atalanta and Villarreal. I know that a lot of people just think that Atalanta will better anybody, but I think this could be a one-goal, a last-minute one-goal win by Atalanta or something like that. It's going to be an exciting game for sure. And then Group G, where literally fucking everything (laughs) can happen. You guys forgot about this group. Well, we haven't. Lille. Eight Salzburg seven Sevilla six Wolfsburg five. Happy New Year's, guys! Rory, what are the, the last <laughs> games of this group? This is going to be insanity, and I think this is like the group that everyone should be watching, right? So, we've got Wolfsburg taking on Lille at home, and then RB Salzburg taking on Sevilla at home. This is going to be like Honestly, I think we said last time, you're going to need that live table. There's just going to be all the permutations as goals go in. And it's going to be insane. Um, Wolfsburg are actually looking much improved in the Bundesliga as of late. Lille had a terrible start to the season, but starting to turn things around a little bit. Um, Wait, Sevilla. Wolfsburg have lost four of their latest five games. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Maybe not then. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not. no. They, they've drawn one though out of the. Out there you of, go. Slight upturn. There you oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> they went up by one point in the Champions League. They've done all right. No, no, yeah, not really. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. They've won one game and drawn two. Yeah, better in the the Champions League. It's better than, than Newcastle. No, it's the same as Newcastle. And that's right. why we're not following the foreign leagues anymore, and we're sticking to what we I can't know. keep on top of it all, guys. I can't keep on top of it. All. But basically, much. this group game, this group is going to be insanity, and it's going to be definitely worth watching. At the moment, you can see how much my prediction is going to be worth, but I'm going to say Salzburg and Lille go through. I'm going to pick stick with those top two, I think. I think it's one of the lowest scoring groups mm. that we've had in the Champions League. 20 goals total divided by four teams yeah. in uh, five different <laughs> games. All of them goal difference of one, and then Wolfsburg goal difference of minus three. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty yeah. bad. But that's it with the Champions League. And Rory, I interrupted you earlier. You were saying about a Jude Bellingham investigation? So there was a referee who's previously been found guilty of match fixing um, who was in charge of this game. He has also um, refereed lots and lots of Dortmund games and they've never complained. This time they lose and they complain, but he it looked suspicious. The penalty he gave to Bayern Munich in the 76th minute, I want to say, was never a penalty on hand. It, would, it just wasn't. Uh, he um, didn't even check far for a foul on Royce in the area. It definitely looked like if there was any referee this weekend who was being paid off, it was probably him. Uh, it was a pretty dodgy decision. But now Bellingham's being investigated by the Bundesliga because they think it's not right for him to bring up that guy's history. But the fact that someone who's been accused and found guilty of match fixing is still refereeing in a top division is a bit mad, I think. Antonio Conte is still managing. Guess what? Okay. <laughs> Fair point. But I have to say that the referee is even worse than the manager. But I want to say one thing, Roy. You know that I'm weird like that. But this is one of my favorite periods of the year. Not because it's Christmas, because I'm quite grinchy, but because there is the Champions League draw and for the first time in 10 years, Inter is going to be there. And then I basically measure how quickly time passes between the draw and the first knockout mm-hmm. Champions League game. Because there is that moment in February when you're like, wait, Champions League football is back? He's oh my back. God, time has yeah. passed the fast. And just yeah. like, yes, let's go. So my timer from when I think they're going to do the draw, I want to say this Friday, as always yeah. in Neon, Switzerland. From that day on, you can start picturing like also because then when the draw comes out, you start following more the team that you're going to play in the knockout stage. And so it's just like, oh shit, let's go. And then the time comes and the Champions League football again. Okay, um, Tommy, I'm going to put you on the spot. You can take one team in the knockout round. Who do you want? Oh, fuck. Well, any any of the guys from Group G would be <laughs> the, I would yeah, say fair, anybody fair. from Group G. Guys, I want you, Lille, Wolfsburg, Salzburg and Sevilla and crossing my fingers. But unfortunately, I have a feeling it will be like PSG or some shit. Yeah, like, potentially, potentially. Dude, PSG is in the air because of the because of Icardi, because of mm. some other stuff. It's it's going to come at some point. An Inter PSG game, and we are going to win it. Good, Rory. It's nine PM. This is the time that our Everton Arsenal kicks off. I'm gonna put you on the spot because oh, you just God. did the same. Final result. 
Three nil. Oh my god, what have I said? <laughs> right. Rory needs a glass of water after having said that. Uh, Goodbye to everybody who's been following us live. We're talking, of course, to the Opalist Wonder podcast, Bryce, our friend Steve Cole, and all the others that I cannot mention because, guys, you are so many. I could not go over a thousand and three hundred and forty-five names. So apologize if I don't, but it's been fun as always. And uh, talk to you soon. Hopefully, Rory will have a smile on his face with uh, an extra three points on Arsenal's table. Come on, Arsenal. We've got to win it. There's more pressure when they're shit. <laughs> talk to you on Friday and listen to our latest Friday episode. We want to know what you think about our latest quids. Passa parola. Talk to you on Friday, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>